When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Fergar. And let's talk football. That's why we're here. Training camps are well underway for both college, pro, and high school. It's one of the best times of year. Baseball is wrapping up. The Pirates are already out of it. Um, And let's be real. The action is now on the field. we got preseason football games in the NFL. We've got scrimmages in college. Ah, what a time to be alive. Well, we're less than three weeks from the start of the season. And as we're recording this, Penn State signed, or not signed, but got a commitment from a quarterback recruit today, Jackson Smollett, which is good. And you and I were both discussing uh, Trace McSorley. If you go look at the highlights from Trace from the Arizona Cardinals in his preseason debut, he had a phenomenal play where he avoided pressure in the pocket, stepped up in the pocket, kept his eyes down the field, threw the ball down the field. I'll tell you what, Jared, I love Trace McSorley, and we're going to get this back to the current Penn State and future Penn State teams as well. But when I see that, I saw I saw it a couple hours ago on highlight. When I see that, I just smile because I, I just think the world of Trace McSorley. Yeah, I think Trace McSorley was probably the most meaningful quarterback at Penn State at a time when they both needed each other the most. He – was a Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt flip. They were the only place that would allow him, and James Franklin's staff was the only place that would want him to be a quarterback. He's undersized. But, man, you want to talk about guts, and you want to talk about an ability to win. Now, he was surrounded with some great talent, but with Trace McSorley, you truly felt that you could win every game. You felt that they could be competitive in every game. And I think that's a really – it speaks volumes to number one, both himself and his character because, you know, he could have easily backed away. He came in, was back up behind Christian Hackenberg. I remember the first Penn State football game I ever covered was the Tax Slayer Bowl where Trace Worley's legend was born, where Hackenberg went down with a separated shoulder early in the game. He almost willed that team back to win against Georgia in that original Tax Slayer Bowl. I think it was in the year 2016. I could be wrong, but just off the top of my head, and from then on, man, it was Trace McSorley. And it's not a knock on guys like Christian Hackenberg or Kerry Collins. It is a knock. No, you're wrong. It is. It is a knock on Christian Hackenberg. And I'll say it for this reason. I remember 
the whole end of Christian Hackenberg's career, I remember having conversations with a lot of really smart football people who were very, very worried about the future of Penn State football after Christian Hackenberg. And so this is the discussion we're going to have with this because people thought, well, Hackenberg, this five-star recruit, he, it's got to be Christian Hackenberg. Christian Hackenberg is the most overrated player I've seen in college football in a, in a while. And then he goes to the NFL. Look, and, I, and I, I do think it is something against Christian Hackenberg. He did have some success. He did some good things at Penn State. But they got markedly better when Christian Hackenberg left and Trace McSorley took over. But I remember conversations with very smart football people in 2015 saying, well, it's got to be Christian Hackenberg. It's got to be Christian Hackenberg. And I remember saying to them, do they really not have anybody better than this? Well, no, they don't have anybody better than Christian Hackenberg. And it just goes to show, Jared, we have no freaking clue. We have no freaking clue what's going on in practice. We don't know who, how much a backup quarterback compares to a, a starting. We don't know. Did we know that Taquan Roberson was flat terrible before he got on the field at Iowa last year? No, we didn't. Did we know that Trace McSorley might be the best leader that Penn State football has had, I'd put I'd put uh, uh, I'd put my, Michael Maudie at there at number one, but Trace would be right there in that discussion. Did we know any of that while Christian Hackenberg was woefully, woefully underachieving at Pitt? No, we didn't. No, it right. just go, Yeah, Between it just the- goes to show we never know what these guys what what they've got behind them. Right, and that's the thing, man. We, we're not in practice. What we get to see at practice is so limited. We don't see anything meaningful. We never will. Right. So we don't know what goes on in those conversations. We don't, we're not in those meeting rooms. Like, believe me, we would have a lot more information and intel if we were. But again, you know, Christian Hackenberg was this, this prodigy, right? And, and it didn't work out. Good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, obviously, the situation that he inherited, not ideal. But at the same time, you know, it, it wasn't like he continued to get better. Now, the people around him, you know, he had some good athletes. He had... Guys like Deshaun Hamilton, guys like Mike Isicki, guys like Adam Brenneman, and and guys like Allen Robinson. So, you know, when you look at the types of talent that he had around him, like they're pretty good. However, when Bill O'Brien was there, he recruited for the outside, not the inside. And truthfully, up front, Penn State really hasn't quite recovered, other than I'd say probably the 2016 season. But again, it's just one of those situations. You just don't know what you're going to get. You, you don't. don't know what happens when you go to that backup. And when they did right. that against Georgia in that tax layer bowl, well, damn, like Trace McSorley was that dude. In all fairness to Christian Hackenberg, they did. He did not have an offensive line. Bill O'Brien could not recruit offensive linemen. They had the they had the the sanctions. They had the limited scholarships. He had to get skilled people. And Christian Hackenberg became a broken quarterback. We're not going to do revisionist history or, or you know go down the history line too much here because the point of what we're talking about is we can you can make all the plans in the world with a quarterback, but you have no idea until that guy gets on the field. The two most successful Penn State quarterbacks of the last 12 years were Matt McGloin, who didn't have a single scholarship offer from a Division I team, not not one. And then he had to mess around and, and beat out Rob Bolden, who was terrible. Oh, God, and then, quarterback and, was great. And then Trace McSorley. Now, I'm not going back as far as Daryl Clark. I'm only going back to, say, 2010, because Daryl Clark was a really good college quarterback. The point being that – 
we can take a look at Drew Aller and we can take a look at Christian Veyu or, and by the way, it's not Christian Veyu. He flat out told us it's Christian Veyu or something like there's like an R thing at the end, but you cannot just look at the, at these, these quarterbacks and, and try to make too many concrete plans for the future thinking, well, Drew Aller is going to be this and, and Christian Veyu is going to be this or Bo, Bo Perbula is going to be this or Jackson Smalling. Or, or Paul Jones or Pat Devlin or whatever, because the two best quarterbacks Penn State has had were both guys who had basically no other opportunities in Trace McSorley and Matt McGloin, and they ended up being, you know, Matt McGloin started six, seven games in the NFL. Uh, Trace may start some at some point in his career. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to look at it because you mentioned a lot of guys that were supposed to be the guy, the, the dude, right? And it just didn't work out for a lot of them. Like Pat Devlin was a guy. Paul Jones, I think, is a great example. Like Paul Jones came to Penn State as a quarterback. He ended it up as a, as a tight end and then ended up at Robert Morris um, to play quarterback. And I watched him. I was at Robert Morris at the same time that he was. Um, and the kid could play. Like, and I don't mean this is a knock to the people that were at Robert Morris at the time, but like watching him as a member of the baseball team at Robert Morris, the club baseball team, we practiced on the football field. Uh, we practiced on the turf. So we would see them working out with receivers and quarterbacks and stuff like that. Like the kid's ball was tight. It was, it went through his receiver's hands. Like he was probably too good for that level, but man, you know, you, you talk about coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know, things didn't work out and maybe someday we'll have him on the podcast. I think I'm going to try to get a hold of him. And I think that would be a really good discussion, but you know, you just don't know what you got, right. You can talk. And my favorite, my favorite saying is when you get to campus, stars don't matter the guys that stand out the most are guys that aren't highly recruited guys Saquon Barkley not highly recruited he was a running back of course but guys like that man it's those under the radar guys that you gotta you know you gotta be aware of because guess what those are the ones that are going to turn heads later in their careers and as we wrap up the first segment again this is especially important from the quarterback discussion standpoint because Sean Clifford came to Penn State he was a four-star recruit he was he was highly regarded and we'll see what Sean can do this year. We, we don't have to get into that whole thing once again. But whether it's Christian Mayur or, or Drew Aller or Bo Prabula or anybody else, the bottom line is you've got to get there and you've got to prove it. And especially with the transfer portal, and if we get to a situation where guys can transfer multiple times, we are going to see, I believe, not just at Penn State, but an enormous amount of turnover at the quarterback position in college football in the coming years, just because there's only one ball. And so I, I, I have a piece of DK Pittsburgh sports where I'm trying to project what the quarterback situation might be like in 2023, 2024. And I'll just flat out say, we don't know because if somebody leaves and then it's a grenade into the whole situation. Mm -hmm. However, their quarterback situation is very good right now. Sean Clifford right now, Christian Mayur, Drew Aller, Bo Prabula, you got the Smolik kid who has really come on uh, as a recruit in recent months. They are in good shape right now. If that can continue, if they can keep as many of those guys there as long as possible, you, you, you would like to think that Penn State can be a pretty big factor here in the coming years. Right, and on paper, they seem to be very good. Now, of course, on the field, between the lines... It's not quite sure yet, but what we can't, what we can't be sure is we're going to be back after this quick break on the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the second segment of the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey, you mentioned three weeks until games. It's the best time of the year, right? For football fans, you got high school starting up, college is starting up, foot pro, start, pro is starting up, even though the preseason, the preseason. But Penn State's starting soon. They're on the road in just a couple Thursdays. And James Franklin had a lot of good stuff to say about the season you know, when you met with the media this week? Yeah, you know, I, I we don't always necessarily get great insight and information, but sometimes we do. Uh, James, very high on the running backs, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, um, said some of the young guys kind of hit a wall a little bit with their with some of their installs on offense and defense, and that's to be expected. You're, you're trying to process and learn a lot of information. There's one thing in particular that I wanted to bring up this week, and it involves the word ego. Um, on media day last Saturday, James Franklin used the word ego to talk about trying to get more young players in the game. He said, you know, you, you might have a shutout going and coaches, you know, they their ego, they want the shutout. Instead, they should be getting some of the younger players in the game. That was interesting. I thought that was an interesting way way to put it. Makes makes perfect sense. But then on on Wednesday, James Franklin used the word ego again. And he, we, the discussion was about the offensive line and the offensive identity. Now, keep in mind, folks, I, I really think James Franklin is a very, very, very smart guy. He doesn't say things that he has not thought through. You're, so sometimes we may have to look for hidden messages in what he says. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think James Franklin was calling out, in my opinion, the way I viewed it, I think he was calling out Mike Yersich when he talked about, uh, here's the quote, um, you have a system and your system needs to have enough flexibility in it to take advantage of your personnel. Now, everybody says that. And what happens is a lot of times people that want to call people, people want to call what their identity is and what they've done in the past, meaning play callers. 
But the reality is you have to be flexible enough and put your ego to the side to do what's best for your team. And that's easier said than done. So, again, I'm reading between the lines here, and we're talking about Penn State's offensive identity, Jared. I think I think James Franklin is talking about Mike Yersich there, and whatever Mike Yersich has done in the past for his own personal success and team success, it just may be different at Penn State, some of the things he's going to have to do. Yeah, right. I think, you know, when you compare, you know, Oklahoma State and Ohio State to, to Penn State, I think things are a lot different in all those places. Probably more similar between Ohio State and Penn State than, you know, Oklahoma State and Penn State. So I think there's a lot more to to be, you know, that there that there is there. And James Franklin does a very good job of touching on those, you know, there's just keywords, right? Mm-hmm. I like let's use the word keywords here. Like because he does that every year. There's always something, right? Unrivaled, unrivaled, unrivaled. Wanna know, right? This is that ego. Check the ego at the door. Jared, you know, do you ever remember him saying ego? I, I he mean, hasn't. He, no, this year I think that's this year's keyword. Yeah, right. And I and obviously it's very early, so he's going to have some more. But you know, he does this every year, which I think is as a coach, you know, you want to challenge not just your players, but you have to challenge your staff too. And you know, as a former uh, football coach, you know, you as an offensive mind, you want to have flexibility. You need to have flexibility. You know, the offense that I was a part of at Altoona when I was on, on the football staff was the was the triple option, the veer option. So, like, obviously, like, there are a lot of options. However, you know, you got to be able to throw the football, right? So you have to have different layers. There are so many different layers to offensive identities and offensive schemes, right, that can change based on the game plan and the installs every week. So if you're used to something, the Big 12, where they didn't play defense – that's right. At Oklahoma State, you know, those Red River shootouts or whatever. Yeah, that's because there was nobody there to play defense. The secondaries weren't there. And but here's what the Big Ten, and it's so much different. It's very right? different. But and here's you, here's what so you have to be adaptable. You have to be willing to make those changes too to Bingo. get back to where you need to be that got you to Penn State and Ohio State. Let me finish the entire quote here because it is interesting. You have to be flexible enough and put your ego to the side to do what's best for your team. Because you may want to be a 10 personnel, which means one running back, no tight ends, with four wides on the field all the time. This is what James Franklin said. But if you got a bunch of really good tight ends, you better have the flexibility to use them. Now, and listen, they do guys, have that. They right, do they have do. good tight ends. And, and I, don't, I cannot sit here and say, that he was calling out Mike Yersich specifically, but it sure as hell sounds like it to me because, um, you know, I don't think Mike Yersich, I don't think they threw the ball just all over the place to the tight ends at Oklahoma State. They had the great receivers and everything. And so when I, and, and look, Penn State had good tight ends last year and Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange, Tyler Warren, and I'm not sure that they, they threw the, to them enough last year. And so what James Franklin's talking about is, hey, your personal identity might be that you want to have four wides and throw the ball 50 yards all the time. But if you, if your personnel says you've got really good tight ends and maybe we should be uh, dropping it off eight or 10 yards at a time, you as a coach need to put your ego aside and call some of those plays. So again, is he talking specifically about Mike Yersich there? Hey, look, it seems like it to me, man, that that's the way I read it. If I'm miscalculating there, that's, I, you know, I, maybe I don't know if James Franklin would ever go into more detail and actually call out Mike Yersich by name, like a Pat Narduzzi did when Mark Whipple left kind of thing. 
But boy, it sure sounds to me like when he's throwing this word ego around that he wants all of his assistant coaches on the same page. And rightfully so. Right. And this is, we talked about this last week. He's never really had this problem. Right. Because, you know, over the last few years, he's finally gone through that revolving door at coordinator um, ever since Joe Moore had left. And then obviously Ricky Ronnie, who was his right-hand man for a while, him and Brent Pry. So you, you have to, everybody has to be on the same page. If you're, you, if you're pulling, you have to be pulling the same direction on the same road, because if you're not, you're not going to go anywhere. And, and especially the Jared, wasn't great last year. Well, the way last year ended, remember Michigan state, the play calling was what the hell are you doing? Why yeah. aren't you throwing the ball 80 times? Well, why didn't Mike Yersich figure that out during the game? Arkansas, they actually were running the ball. Why didn't they stay committed to it more? I, I do honestly think that James James Franklin looks at Mike Yersich and, and says, hey, this is the year you've got to prove it to me, man. Yeah, and, and rightfully so, because, listen, Penn State, you know, at times can establish the run, and at times they haven't. Uh, and a lot of times they didn't last year. And, you know, when you have a, when you have a set of tight ends, which is a position Penn State has used – very, very well under James Franklin. You had Mike Kosicki. You had Pat Fryermuth. So those are two guys that are stars on Sundays. You know, they use them very, very well. And they have a good set of tight ends. So you need to use them. You, so so let's, let's backtrack, Corey. What is Penn State's offensive identity or how, what it should it be going yeah. into the season? Well, it's got to be tougher. It's, it's just got to be that – when we need to, we need to line up and knock somebody on their ass. That's what their identity has to be. It, it, it just it just is that. I was on a radio show. I was telling telling my buddy this um, earlier today, Jared. I'm gonna ba- I'm gonna. This is the most basic it gets. This is the Cliff's Notes version. Football for Dummies 101. And and my my theory on this is when the ball is snapped, what Penn State has is they've got an offense that needs a quarter of a second or a half of a second to figure out what they're going to do, okay? When you're in this RPO and they're snapping the ball and you've got a quarter of a second or a half of a second where they're trying to determine is the quarterback, is Clifford going to put the ball in the running back's belly or is he going to throw it? That quarter of a second or half of a second is where they get beat. Because, again, this is absolute most basic theory and premise and it's far more complicated than this, I do realize. But when the ball is snapped, the Penn State offensive linemen are not busting forward looking to drop dudes on their ass. They have to wait a quarter of a second or a half of a second before they're run blocking or pass blocking. And you see what I'm getting at, Jared? Mm-hmm. They're not the only program in the country that runs the RPO. But even when Saquon was there and Trace was doing the little dance with Saquon in the backfield for a quarter of a second and allowing defenders to, to meet, meet Saquon at the, at, at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield, this has been a problem at Penn State. So for as effective as even the RPO was with Joe Moorhead, when you're doing this little song and dance and you've got to wait a quarter of a second or a half a second, that's your identity. Your identity is, is not Iowa or Wisconsin. They're going to line up and be tough as soon as the ball snaps, Penn State's identity is ah, we're gonna give you a blink of an eye to kind of to kind of get a get a feel for what we're gonna do because we're still getting a feel for what we're gonna do on each play. Yeah, and I think that's a really good way to look at it, Corey, because you know the RPO that that is the issue with the RPO because you, it, obviously the run pass option. So obviously you're you're getting that pre snap read, and then you've got to react and you're waiting and you're seeing what end is gonna cover. You're seeing what key 
what you're keying on and what they're going to do. And once you read that, well, then now you're two, ten, three seconds in the play. Now you got to, got to pass, you got to throw it, whatever. And I think, you know, for as far as Penn State's identity, you have to maximize personnel, right? Whether that's, you know, 10 or 11 personnel. But with a group of tight ends that they have, they've utilized the tight ends as an H-back or, or really what, what people now call a fullback, right? Um, and yes, I did. I did yeah, just you say said, Penn State. We haven't, we haven't said that word on this podcast in a long no, time. Right. I was going to mention it about Michael Robinson, but I figured I wouldn't because he was at Penn State for as a quarterback. So they have to me, they have to do that because not only is that going to help them, you know, offensively, I, I think Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson are very, very good. And I think they could be the next big thing, but that gives you extra versatility because now, guess what? As a, as a defensive coordinator, oh, crap, they have tight ends in the game. So uh, we have to be prepared for the pass. We have to be prepared for the run. But if you don't have that in the game, and you know the Penn State does not have a good running game, you can key on the pass and shut it down, right? You, and no, you, you more often than not. Penn right. State, I still think, can hit you, especially with the Jahan Dotson kind of player. Right. They can still hit you with the 40, 50-yard bomb at any point. And that is something James Franklin loves. He loves the explosive plays. But I think – I'll say it. They have a finesse. I think their offensive identity the last years has been a finesse offense. Now, I would not say that to a 320-pound offensive lineman. He might crush me um, uh, if I say say it's finesse. But that's what I see. I grew up as a Miami Dolphins fan, and Dan Marino's maybe the most talented quarterback who ever played the game, Jared. They played a finesse offense. Why? Because he threw the ball all the time. You know, the one thing the Miami Dolphins could never, ever, 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 ever do with Dan Marino? Couldn't run the ball. Because they had a they had a passing game and they were pass blocking so much. So my comparison has always kind of been, you know, if, if, if you're asking your offensive lineman to be a finesse offensive line mm-hmm. most of the time, how do you have them become tough, tough sons of a gun on third and two or fourth and two when you really got to push the line forward? Well, and that's the other thing with, you know, with, with the RPO, right? You're always in pass protection more often than not, right? Because you got to see the play develop. You got to have the play develop, you know, and, and that's tough. And that's why, you know, the, the spread offense is, isn't always, you know, the, the go-to. There's, there's, there's value in other offenses and having that flexibility. But you have to – once you get to that mentality or once you get to that, you know – that identity that you want to have, you got to maximize it. But you've also, when you realize that it's not working, like against Michigan State, uh, like get out and adjust. You have to make those adjustments. And I think really early on, Penn State's second half adjustments were some of the best that we have seen. Now, you know, offensively, I don't think they're making nearly as many adjustments as they used to. Um, and, and that's probably the way that things have gone, you know, on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, but, plan plan B, plan C, plan D. You, you got to be able to win with those. Right. You have to be prepared. And that, we're not saying that they're not prepared, but you have to have options. You have to, like, like James Franklin said, got to check the ego, but you got to be adjustable and get away with the stubbornness. Because, you know, listen, coaches are stubborn. They want to run what they are good at. Players want to do what they're good at. People are stubborn. That's natural. I'm Polish. I'm very, very stubborn. And, you know, you know, to a fault and, and coaches, especially when you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars and your livelihoods at stake every Saturday, you know, they're going to be stubborn. They're going to try to fit a square peg into a round hole when, when they need it the most. And, and, it, and it really doesn't work a lot of the time.
All right, we'll we'll wrap up this second segment here. I'm curious to hear, Jared, what you're most looking forward to seeing with the start of college football season. Maybe we can get into that in the third segment. Sounds like a good plan, Corey. So we'll be back to talk about what we're looking forward to the most this college football season on the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the third final segment of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He is Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Fugar. So, Corey, the football season is, is upon us. We can see it. it. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Saturdays are going to be filled with beer and brats and everything under the sun. Not for us because we'll be at work uh, at Mountain Dew. And, you know, I'll have an IV of caffeine dripped in me for every primetime game that Penn State has. But... It's almost there. So, Corey, you asked me what I'm looking forward to right before we went on this on the break uh, to get to the segment. I'm just looking forward to being back. There's nothing better than walking to the stadium, smelling those smells, um, especially early in the day. You know, if it gets late in this primetime game, some of those smells, eh, they're just not that great. Um, and, it, and it gets pretty foul. But, like, just the pomp and circumstance, I think that's what makes high school football and college football so much different than the pros is you get the bands, you get the cheerleaders, you get the dance team, you get the entrances. And that's what makes those the sport of football so unique, right? You don't see the – I mean, more often than not, you don't see baseball players take BP. You don't see them take infield, outfield. You know, basketball players, you, know, you don't see their shoot around. But football players, you see them walk into the stadium ready to do business. You see at Penn State them get off the bus. They do their little trail through the, through the parking lots. And – you know, it's just one of those things that I think that's what's cool about college football and that atmosphere is what I'm looking forward to the most. I, I like all that. That's that's really good stuff from the pageantry of all of everything, because there is nothing like college football traveling around the country and, and seeing these cathedrals and, and the way fans at different schools treat everything. And, and we get to see it at Penn State um, every, you know, every week. And, and it is amazing. I'll go on the field here, Jared. I'm looking forward to seeing Purdue's passing game versus Penn State's pass defense and and the Manny Diaz defense in in week one. I think we can find out a lot about Penn State in week one. Now, we'll we'll focus a lot more on this as we're getting into game week and preparing and everything, but Purdue can throw the ball. They've got an NFL quarterback in Aiden O'Connell who – and that program is certainly willing to throw the ball 50, 60 times in a game – and my biggest question is, can they get pressure on the quarterback? Can 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 they you know maintain coverage in the secondary? And we're gonna find that out right away. And then two weeks later, Penn State's gonna go to Auburn and we're gonna see how these guys uh react on the road in an SEC environment where because we all know 
it just means more down there. That's right. <laughs> in the SEC. But I'm I'm just looking forward. We are going to know a whole lot about this Penn State football team by week three. And that that to me is pretty exciting. We don't have to sit through four or five cupcake games and, and then figure out what it is we're seeing. We're we're gonna have a pretty good feel early on. Yeah, and I think that's the cool thing too. You know, that's both a blessing and a curse for Penn State, right? Because they play at Purdue, they play at Auburn in the first in two out of the first three weeks. That could make or break the season. You know, going into that fourth week, they could be three and zero. They could be one and two. They could be two and one. You know, it, it, there's just so many options, so many different variables that are at stake here, and you're going to see, you know, that identity. And really the the precursor to what Penn State football's identity should be and will be, you know, because they have to be ready to go. Now, I think going on the road in the SEC for Penn State, I think they're going to be capable of doing it. And, I, and the reason why is because they're used to that. This isn't like Auburn bringing in somebody from the WAC or from the Pac-12 that might not be used to a team that's playing in front of 100,000 fans every game. So I think They'll be prepared for that aspect, but, you know, it's a different environment, and I'm very interested to see what happens. But, you know, like we say, Corey, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how things go, how things develop, because, you know, if Penn State's 0-3, that's a, oh, shit. But if they're 3-0, well, they're, they're, it's an, they're oh, not gonna okay. Be, they're not going to be 0-3. I mean, yeah. they, they could they could be 1-2. If they're 0-3, the world is ending. <laughs> I mean, that means they've lost at home in week two. But, yeah, 1-2 one, one is definitely a possibility. Right, and and so is 2-1 and 3-0. and oh. So, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. But, again, you know, that's why they play the game. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. And, and is Sean Clifford prepared? Is that offense – ready to to find its identity. And I will say this in terms of something I'm looking forward to. I've not traveled a whole lot the past couple of years. I traveled with Penn State football for 15 years, and every game they ever went to except for one in 2010 when I was covering the Altoona Curve in the Eastern League Championship. Um, I missed a home game, but I've traveled to Iowa, traveled to all the Big Ten. It's been ter- different the past couple of years, but we are going to going to be traveling – um, this year. So I'll be at Purdue. I'll be at Auburn. I'll be at Michigan. I- I'm looking forward to getting back out on the road, Jared, and, and seeing the passion and the pageantry at some of these other places. And th- again, that includes Purdue. I think that James Franklin keeps talking about it, the blackout that they're going to have mm-hmm. uh, at Ross Aid Stadium. That's going to be a tough place to win. I'm, I get, I mean, look, I don't think Purdue's great. I think Penn State's got better players. But for an opener to have to go to Purdue in that environment, that's like their season right there, Jared. So mm-hmm. I, the, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That's the interesting thing, right? In the Big Ten, you know, a lot of those teams have three or four Super Bowls, right? For, for the Purdue's, the Indiana's, you know, the Northwestern's, or right. Super Bowls are playing against Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin. So they're going to come ready. And Penn State's got to be with, able to withstand that. And if they're capable of doing that and they're able to do that, I think Penn State has a very good chance to win. But their offense, I think, is going to be a good test for the defense, like you said. But, again, it's good to be back with football, the pageantry, the atmosphere. 
because that's what makes college football awesome. That's what makes Saturdays and Thursdays and Fridays, I guess, and I guess every day of the week by the end of the season, why it makes it so important and, and entertaining for college football. And quickly, we'll address this further in, in a month, but I'm very much looking forward to going to Auburn. I was at Alabama in 2010. Those folks were unbelievably um, hospitable to everyone from Penn State back in 2010. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what that whole Auburn environment is like. I don't think it's going to be like what it was at Alabama in 2010, but uh, I, I, I really enjoyed myself at, at Alabama 12 years ago. So I'm curious to see what, what Auburn has in store. Yeah, and I think, you know, across the Big Ten especially, I mean, that's where a lot of the traveling I've been able to do has been. And, I mean, every, every university we go to, I think, has been very hospitable. And some of them are a lot of fun. I mean, at Michigan, I think that's where you get the most personal um, with the fans because you have to park in yards. You have to park in the neighbor's yards or on golf courses or whatever. Um, and obviously the Ohio State fans that are listening to this, you know, I'm sorry I complimented Michigan. You know, <laughs> I have some family that, that loves Ohio State, so I'm going to get murdered for this or something. I don't know because uh, I gave a compliment to that team up north and, and my apologies. But – you know, that's what makes college football cool because, hey, you're here for Penn State. Cool. This is what you can do. This is and that's, you know, and even at Happy Valley, I think, you know, everybody's hospitable. And, and that's what's cool about it. I don't think that there's a lot of hostility, you know, unless you get a, a gnarly rivalry game. But again, you know, it, that's what makes college football what college football is all about. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Ohio State fans would not agree that Penn State fans are hospitable, but uh Depends on the situation uh, and how many drinks have been had. <laughs> night games especially. Oh, that's not a hospitable crowd generally at Beaver Stadium for those night games. Well, no, inside the stadium it's not hospitable, but I've seen plenty of people giving away free drinks and free food to those who pass. <laughs> right. That's but, great. Hey, we're all we're it's it's just a few weeks away, man. Less than three weeks. So it's 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 getting here, it'll be upon us before we know it. Right. And and listen, while we're at it, Corey and I are gonna be at, at most of Penn State's games this this fall, you know, let us know where you're at. We'll come meet up with you. We're usually a package <laughs> deal. I, I never say no to free food. I have the, I have a, you know, I guess what, it, what you would call it, a dad bod or a father figure. What? So I what don't are say you doing? no to are free you, food. Are you doing the James Franklin? Hey, if you're having a birthday party, I'll come by. You, you promising to visit all these people at their tailgates. Hey, we got, got, we got plenty of home games, so we might as well make use of it. There's only one that I won't be at. Well, a couple that I won't be at for sure, but I will never say no to food. So if you're listening, you want to sit your tailgate, come talk or want us to come talk Penn State football, we'll gladly do it. I'll gladly do it. I'll just need a hot dog or a hamburger. I'll gladly wave at you from the press box while I'm eating all the free press box food and hey, it's and free hanging, and hanging out with the too, folks. Corey. Yeah. <laughs> but before I, I get even more hungry, for Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Perger. We'll catch you again next week on the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.